Welcome to the Solutions Podcast. Here you'll find conversations, tips, and tools to living better. Our podcast episodes range from conversations on work-life balance to healing your inner child wounds and so much more. We hold space for conversations and interviews to help you get inspired and show up fully. Thank you so much for being here and we hope you like this episode. So today on the podcast, I have Jared Narlock. He is a speaker, author, and talent development coach. I'm so excited to have him on the podcast. Jared, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Rachel. I'm excited to be here today. Yeah. So I want to start by just talking a little bit about you know, how you got into this work. I know that you talk about being a peaceful, powerful leader. Um, So I'd love to just jump right into that story of how you got started with this and what you mean by that phrase. Sure. How I got started was actually, I was in the Air Force. And when I went into the Air Force, I got the opportunity to choose from a couple of different career paths. And the one that was most enticing, even though I wasn't too excited about it, was computers And I'm a person that loves connecting with people. And so when the opportunity came about to do a special duty assignment as an instructor and get into adult education, I jumped at it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. And so that got the foundation set up for me of learning objectives and testing and instructional system design, those pieces. And when my term of enlistment was up and I was honorably discharged, That's what I went seeking is how can I grow and develop in this area? And I had some wonderful mentors along the way and people that were willing to invest in me as a speaker and as a facilitator and eventually a credentialed coach. And so that's, that's how I originally got into the work, but it was that first role outside of the air force. It was in organizational development and I was doing leadership development and I would have these leaders who would come to a half day workshop Mm -hmm. and I would see them two months later in the hall and they left that workshop excited, inspired, ready to take the different competencies and and the associated tools with them and, and continue to grow and develop in those competencies and had the best of intentions. And I'd see them and say, hey, how is that plan going? And they would look and stop for a moment and say, you know, life has happened and I wasn't able to do much more than that day. And they, again, had the best of intentions, people trying to bring forward their best for those that they were leading, but were so open and honest and saying, I'm just not figuring out how to continue forward with this. And so I did a lot of internal reflection saying, how, how do, how can I help? in making this easier because these people are trying to get the results the organization is asking for, trying to get the the results and and connect and and truly bring their authentic and humanistic self with those that they're leading. But at the end of the day, they're saying, I'm just barely making it happen. And it still feels like there's five fire hoses coming from every direction at me. And so that's what led me on this journey from a standpoint of finding out where was my piece? Because I was experiencing it as I stepped into my director roles and my vice president role that I was in. And I thought, I know there is a better way to not sacrifice my values, not sacrifice the way I wanted to serve others and continue to have that internal peace. And that is where the journey took me to 
developing these, these pieces around becoming a peaceful power leader. And it's been an awesome journey where I've met and learned from some amazing people. Yeah. Sounds so good. I love connecting with meaningful work too. So I had a couple of thoughts while you were speaking. So what do you think it is about like self-development and following through, like just knowing human behavior and understanding how to help people? Why do you feel like the people that would take these workshops would just have that one day experience and then not follow through with continuing to leave their staff and things like that? I think one of the biggest things is we go to where our processes are already set up and also what's being asked of us, especially in the workplace. So I will sometimes challenge when I'm working with executive leaders who have said, hey, can you work with my leadership team? And I'll ask them, what types of questions are you asking your people on a regular basis that you have the privilege to serve and lead? And I ask them, do you ask them as many questions about their development and how they're investing in their people as you do about the budget and finances. And the majority of the time that answer is no, I don't. And it's because again, they're being asked about the budget and the finances and that's important. But if that's what we're focusing on, that's what we're telling those people that that's the important piece. And we can still get the the needs of the budget, the finances while we're investing in ourselves, while we're investing in others but if it's not built into our process. And so what, what I found so often, and I found it in myself and really had to be deliberate, is people didn't have that sacred time set for themselves. I now schedule on my calendar blocks of time. And there are different leaders that I've heard that, that do this and they call this different things, but it is a meeting with myself. And just like if you set up a meeting with me, I'm going to hold to it. If someone tries to schedule over it, I'm going to say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm already booked during that time. Mm-hmm. But so often people will say, well, I know I'm trying to make this a process, but I do have the time open. And I challenge that in a respectful way sometimes saying, no, you don't. That's your time with you. And if you miss it, you're not going to get it back. And if you get into the routine of missing it. And so I think that's one of the hardest things is we don't have times built into our schedule for when we learn those new things to say, oh, I know I have a 30 minute block. If I learn this on a Thursday afternoon and I want to reflect on it on Monday, I've got a 30 minute block in the afternoon and I'm going to take some time and figure out how can I put this into my practices. And one of the ideas around this that I love that, that i have brought forward is Dr. BJ Fogg's work of tiny habits. And he talks about finding those anchors. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so great. And the big piece that I add on to that is that sacred time and finding the time to reflection, to really evaluate and say, where do I have those pieces to bring this new process in, to have this anchor and make it happen. But to no fault of, you know, that leader who has that intent, who wants to develop, they put that investment in to be there they just go back into those processes and, and focus on what they're being asked. And so it's really important that if we're leading others, we're asking those questions and we put just as much, if not more emphasis on the growth and development, because as we do that, and there's so much research out there that shows it, those business results, you know, the finances, the, the metrics, they will be met. They will happen. And lots of times they'll be exceeded compared to where they were before. 
For sure. I mean, my first thought is obviously the burnout culture of a lot of different employers or corporations, like just working their employees to the bone and, you know, not taking time for themselves or not allowing their employees to take time for themselves. And I think one of the changes that's been happening within HR and work culture is just allowing people the time, you know, like understanding if you can get your work done and I trust that you will as a leader, then you can take that time for yourself as long as you get your work done. And those types of companies have that better culture where people are more creative and more productive because they're not work to the bone. Yes, I totally agree. And that precedence is set, right? That those people know it's okay for me to take this time. I don't need to feel guilty. I don't need to carry shame that this isn't okay. And so setting that up and we hear about it and we hear the success of those organizations I often talk about one I personally know. It's an architectural and design firm called 3877, who I know one of their founders, and he's a great individual, and his partner and him, they promote that. And they've been known for years in the D.C. area as one of the top 50 in employee engagement. Well, guess what? After a certain amount of time, they started also winning awards and, and becoming known as the top 100 interior design firms. And so people come in with that. They live that culture. They know it's there. It's genuine. It's not a check the box approach. And that's something I love about what you talk about in your podcast is we have to do that inner work. It's truly about that inner work and people can see through when it's just a check the box. And they see that in organizations versus an organization like that architectural firm. You go there and I remember getting to visit and you could feel it and you could feel the excitement and you could feel the healthy boundaries that were in place that if someone needed to say, Hey, I need to take a a break today and step away and recharge. And there wasn't a question of, did you get your work done? They knew this person's empowered. They're going to get it done. Yes. By all means, do what you got to do. Take care of yourself. And it's just a different environment as you shared as well. And that's so important. Yeah. And it's, it's like bringing the human back into what you're doing. Yes. like random things that I read or hear come to mind, especially recently about like just being more human in our approach to doing things and also honoring our commitments, creating healthy habits. These are things that are really the backbone of doing this work is like creating those healthy habits. Because when it comes down to it, like most of, you know, our experience is what we do. So you know, if we're just used to doing things a certain way, then we're going to probably keep doing that. So it's creating better habits for ourselves where maybe we take the morning to journal or we take the morning to do some self-reflection or whatever just lights your soul up. And then if you continue to create those healthy habits and then you just notice how you feel throughout the day or the week, you'll probably just be happier because you're filling up your cup. And then when you fill up your cup, you can obviously pour out to others. And I think That's a well-known saying, but there's just so much truth to it. Well, and it is. And as you mentioned that, that habit, and so often people will say, Hey, I can't. And really that notion is you're right. If you decide that, but if you decide, okay, I know right now I don't have that habit in and it's going to take some time and it may be difficult at first to put that in and get that time in and work towards that discipline. But as you said, there's so many benefits And when people get to that point and realize, for example, I remember this one individual that I was working with and she said, I want to read more. 
And she said, I just feel like I don't have time. And so as I was talking with her about some potential solutions, I said, would you be willing just for three or four days to keep track of your time? Just write it down. And she said, okay, I'll do that. I said, you know, next time we meet, we, we can look and see and explore where you think there's value add and there's essential and where there might be non-value add for what you want to achieve. And she came back in and she said, I don't even need to talk to you about it. I've already read an entire book since the last two weeks that we met. And she said the time was there, but it was taking that attention there. Like you mentioned, journaling, focusing on that, having those healthy habits. And she's been able to continue that. But sometimes it just takes that that perspective of, of getting to that point of reflection and realizing, okay, how do I do this? How do I take that action to ultimately help get there? And that's a big piece that from a coaching perspective, sometimes people will say, well, I am struggling here. Okay, well, I don't know your journey and I can't tell you that this and this and this is going to work. It's about your journey. It's about your internal reflections but I can be an objective party, not bringing judgment in and listen to what you're trying to get to and ask questions that maybe you've asked yourself, but it's good to hear from a different perspective. But ultimately you hit on it, those healthy habits. And when we're investing in ourselves that way with those healthy habits, it fills our cup up and it allows us to build others up, to invest in others. And that is a, in my experience, a much happier and more peaceful place. Absolutely. And then I also feel like, you know, if we're talking about happiness and feeling good, you know, when we're able to give more to others, we are also able to create an impact. We're able to like tap into our creativity. I think, you know, that self-reflective time is really just like a well, it's a well for your soul where you can take things out that you need and fill your cup up and then just enhance your life because you're doing this inner work and that's just reflected in the outside world. So if you're taking the time and you're, you're like, okay, well, in the mornings, I'm going to go walk and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do the things that I really enjoy. You just show up better for others, you know? And when it comes to leadership, which you especially work with and the people who are really creating impact and living purposeful lives, they definitely need that time. Yeah, it's essential. And I've had that. I've had different leaders. I remember this executive one time and I was talking about the importance of reflection and sharing the approach. And I said, it's either for me, if for some reason the week didn't go as planned because life does happen, right? Of course. I always know that on Friday nights, my family, lots of times they'll go to bed and no matter what, I have that time and I'm deliberate to be able to think about, Hey, what went well this week that I want to celebrate? What were some things that I learned that I can take forward? What do I have going forward And is there anything I want to explore and maybe change? Am I connecting? And I love that you use that that word purpose, right? Am I connecting to my purpose? Am I connecting to my values? And if not, where can I go from there? And I'm sharing that concept. And this leader came up afterwards and he said, that would be great, but you just don't understand my schedule. And the truth is he's right. I don't know his schedule. But I do know that if you don't take hold of it from an accountability standpoint internally and saying, hey, I can set known my reality. These things are in my locus of control. It won't change. And that is not always easy. But when you get to that point, it is such a freeing experience. And truly, I'm always in that mindset of knowing 
hey, I can take my next step. I can take action on it. And I know that if I'm struggling with it, hey, I've got some sacred time coming up. I'm going to step into that. It'll be okay. I can recenter and go from there. Yeah. And I think it also comes down to like our values and our choices. You actually answered my question because one of my questions was, okay, well, what questions do you ask? Because those are important questions. Like, what am I celebrating? I I love some of the questions that you ask. When we're creating our schedule, even, I think we do have to take time and think about what we value. So if you do value that personal time to reflect and fill up your soul, you are going to make the time for it versus like, if it's not something you value, of course, you're not going to make time for it. So I think we make choices based on our value system. Right on. That is such a big piece. And there will be a lot of people I'll ask that question. Can you share with me your values? Yeah. And you see them start thinking about it and they'll pull different things out, words that they like. But oftentimes they haven't really sat down and, and they'll admit to that. I haven't really sat down and thought about it. And so often people will list off six, seven, eight values. But what some of the social science researchers have found is that most people have about one to three that they truly value, that they say, I'm not going to veer from this. And that is a different reality when we know those. And when we talk to others about those, because they get to know them. And sometimes that lets people into where our boundaries are at. People know my values. And so if I'm in a relationship and I feel like the boundaries aren't clearly set, I'll let them know. And and they're usually not surprised because they know my values and they realize, oh, that connects, that makes sense. And so I don't have people questioning also in the workplace. uh, I love the book Essentialism. And it really helped me in understanding that, hey, I shouldn't carry shame in this, but I also need to be an effective communicator when I'm explaining to someone why I'm not going to come to that meeting. And, and, you know, and I'm usually not saying no, I'm asking them, okay, can you explain my purpose? I want to make sure I'm showing up. And if I'm there for five minutes of the two hour meeting is, is the piece that I'm needed. I'm okay talking with them and saying, hey, can we discuss a different approach? Can I give this to you in notes and talk ahead of time? Or do you want me to come and designate a time? But I want to respect everyone's time there. I also would like my time to be respected. And so often we just say, yes, I can do that. And then we look back and we have that internal struggle saying, oh, I'm unhappy about this, or I can't find the time for this. And lots of times it boils down to, that mismatch of values and not being able to clearly articulate it and put it into how we make decisions, how we set boundaries and how we communicate it with others. And when we do, again, it it truly allows us to, from my experience and, and many that I've worked with, stay in that inner peace and be aligned to what that means for us on our journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, to me, it sounds like, you know, communication is a value that you hold pretty dearly. And I think you know, there's ways to communicate your boundaries in a kind way. And I think yes. that's one thing I want to shine some light on, because you did it in a really good job, um, like the way that you articulated, like, okay, well, I value your time and I value my time. But there's ways to appreciate people and be kind, but also appreciate yourself and not let yourself get like run down or I don't want to say like abused, but 
there's just sure. ways to like enforce boundaries in a kind way. So I kind of want to like touch on that for a little bit too, because I think a lot of people struggle like, okay, well, it's hard for me to speak up for myself and ask for what I need, or it's hard for me to tell people no, or it's hard for me to whatever. And obviously there's some limiting beliefs around that, but it's, it's mostly around like what other people think, like the sphere. Okay. Well, they're not going to think I'm a good person or something like that. How do you help people through that in creating their boundaries and their schedules that honor themselves? Well, one of the biggest things that you hit on there that we so often do as human beings is we fill in fiction and we start to believe that it's factual, right? And we think, oh, this person's going to think I'm rude or this person's going to think I'm mean or that I'm self-centered because I need to take this time. And the reality is, yes, I need to take this time if, if I'm going to be able to invest in others the way that I would hope to, whether it's you know at work or in other areas of, of life. And so talking about first, hey, how do you identify when you're storytelling, when you're going into that false narrative versus the fact and staying the fact, what do you truly know? Well, you know, you need to have a conversation with this person. You don't know how they're going to respond. So there is some courage involved in there, stepping into that courage because we don't know the outcome, but what could happen? Well, what could happen is I could have a good conversation with them. Those boundaries could be established and I don't have to continue to worry about this. What could happen? They may get upset. Okay, well, hopefully they're going to be kind enough as well to talk through that. Why are they upset? Let's explore. And maybe we can get to a place of mutual understanding and, and staying in that curiosity and seeking to understand. And so when I'm connecting and working with people around that, those are some of the questions that I'll ask. And lots of times people will say, you know what? I am. I am making up a worst case scenario that has only happened to me once or twice in my entire life. Normally it goes this route. Why am I doing that? This is what I know for sure. And then they're able to go into that next piece to say, okay, how can you articulate your boundaries in a way that I love, as, as you pointed out there, that is kind, that is kind, that is caring and compassionate, that the person knows positive intent is meant by this. And so often year after year, I was struggling with that. And once I got to a point of, of being able to assume positive intent and stay in curiosity, it became very helpful taking that courage to step in and share my boundaries and being open with that. But it's important to take time in those sacred time sessions, that reflection to say, okay, what are my boundaries? What are my boundaries in my friendships? What are my boundaries at work? And then how we articulate that in a, in a kind way and in a mutual understanding. I had a chief of human resources that I worked with at one point. And she, from what I could tell, struggled giving deadlines. Mm. And it was impacting those that I was leading because I remember a few coming up and saying, Jared, we're at that point now. We can't take anything else on. And now we were just asked this. And so at first I thought, oh, she's not going to like me challenging this. I was storytelling. And I thought, wait a minute, what do I know for sure? I know this person cares about me. She cares about the rest of the people in this division. Mm -hmm. And she is a logical person. She talks through things. And so I went to her and I said, hey, we're struggling as a team with deadlines. And I know that's on me because I'm not asking for clarity from you. And so I want to know what's the approach. Would you like me to recommend a deadline? And if deadlines overlap because something comes down, we renegotiate. 
or would you like to give me the deadline? And she thought about it for a moment and she said, you give the deadlines recommendations and we'll go from there. And she honored that from that day forward. And it created a different reality for me, for the team. But my first response was, oh no, this could go bad. And then I had to push that aside and say, no, this is a boundary that needs to be set. And it became a very healthy boundary and it became a different environment. Yeah. And, you know, I know we're both fans of Brene Brown, but one of her things that she uh, communicates in um, her work is that clear is kind. And so I think you like hit the nail on the head there. Like clarity is kindness. Like if you can be clear with people, they appreciate it. So if you're not being clear, that's actually kind of unkind because people are relying on you and they need clear expectations so that they can be their best selves and, and it just helps everything. So I, I think that was like a huge shift for the work culture, just having clear deadlines. Just that little thing is just so important. Like knowing when your work is due, knowing when you can get your work done, like just having that clear boundary. I really think it's simple things that are so powerful. The simple time to reflect on what's going right or what's going wrong. The simple time to have a conversation. I feel like a lot of the time, simplicity is just golden. Right. And and sometimes because of the stories we tell ourselves, we make it so much more difficult than it has to be. And it is truly, as you said, golden when we are able to get to that point. And you know, you know, the expectations become clear. And so you're not going into that guesswork and worrying about the what ifs because, hey, I know, and I'm able to move forward and I'm able to step into happiness more often because I'm not left wondering. Yeah. Oh, I love step into happiness. That's, that's a good one. So I have a couple of questions just based on like peace and being powerful, because I feel like in history, people are like, okay, well, you can't be powerful and peaceful at the same time. But then you see so many people that actually get that accomplished, like, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. having a peaceful protest. So I feel like pe- being peaceful can be powerful. Um, so can you just explain why that actually works hand in hand? Yeah, that was a big thing for me as I was exploring First, it started with my inner peace. I was struggling at one point in my career. I was going through imposter syndrome when I was promoted into the vice president role and I was reporting to CEO. And there I am, I'm around a boardroom table with executives that most were 10, 15, 20 years my senior. And I'm thinking I don't belong and I'm hustling for my self-worth. And it got to the point where I was achieving those results, but the peace wasn't there. And I ultimately resigned from my role and had an intent and focus on going on a journey to find that peace. And what did it truly mean? But not in a way that sometimes people would say, oh, you're, you're kind. They mistake that kindness saying you're kind. And so you can't be assertive and you can't right. get the results that are needed And so on that journey with myself, talking with different thought leaders, the connections that were so important, started to see some pieces that while anyone can take it, each person's journey is different, but really looking and saying, okay, if if I'm setting and owning my reality and I'm being accountable, that's a peaceful place. And if I'm doing that in amongst that, setting those boundaries, that becomes very powerful for others. They know where those boundaries are at 
And it's a shared partnership. And a big piece of that peaceful power is, is having that shared partnership. And so I'm able to do that. And then from there, if I'm setting and owning my reality, I'm being accountable to me and, and what's within my locus of control, I can build others up. I have that confidence. I'm not worrying and saying, oh, what happens if this person succeeds? No, there's no comparison. We're on different journeys. We might be working towards that same piece, but it's okay. And I can celebrate them and I can build them up. And so how do I do that? And then when I know my values, when I find my values, that becomes very powerful because that helps in the decision-making and being able to ensure that I'm not making decisions that are self-preserving over serving others, especially from that leadership aspect. And I will tell you, up until a few years ago, I really struggled with that. And it wasn't a, a place of peace. And it truly wasn't a place of where that, that power was respected and how it was done that, hey, he's being assertive and accomplishing this. But instead, I'm sure people uh, may have taken a step back and said, well, that didn't really benefit us, but that seemed to shed him in good light. And you know, from there, when we're making those decisions that are connected to our values, it makes it very easy to say, I'm not going to make that decision. That would be self-serving. Sure, it'd be good for me, but it's not right for these wonderful people. And yes, I may take some feedback, some heat, whatever you want to call it, but that's okay. In the long run, I'm going to remember that I stuck to those values and took care of these people. And yes, this moment maybe was tough, but we can work through it. And then from there, how do we set sacred time to continue to build off of that as, as we grow and we explore so that we're investing in ourselves so that we can in turn invest in others and help them grow. And that's really powerful as well when it comes to that is that we're doing that in peace, but as a leader on a team, we're helping others grow and develop. We're investing in them and we've got an environment where people feel that they can step into empowerment. And so instead of the leader being the hero who's the firefighter, that leader is a resource and everybody on the team is a resource and you don't have the firefighting because you have people that step into problems, people that know they're empowered, they're coming with creativity. And so it becomes a much more peaceful environment and great things are happening. The power is there because you have the power of the whole and it's not, uh oh, the leader's not here today. We're gonna struggle because we don't know what to do here. But that, that decision has already long been made and, and talked about because we know where each other's values are and people have that, that scoping, they understand, oh, this is that empowerment. I can step into it. And so it has been a, a much easier journey for me after doing a lot of hard work and finding those pieces. And one of the toughest conversations I had, it'll be the, the last point to this, is coming home one day to my spouse after I had resigned from that role and had that clarifying moment that, oh, wow, I didn't actually identify my values and I was struggling with it. And now that I've identified them, I know I can't go back. They're my values. And so I said to her, will you be okay if one day I come home and I don't have a role because I held firm to those values and it may cost me you know, that position? And she said, it's about time. I've seen you struggling with your peace. I'm so glad you're having this conversation with me. You know, I'll support you. And that was a boundary conversation, right? I didn't discuss that to that point. I needed to. And it was that last piece to help me step forward fully into that peaceful, powered leadership.
Yeah. And it's like the inner peace is related to your power. I love that you kind of just yes. highlighted that your inner peace creates power within your life because it gives you the power to make decisions that serve you. It gives you the power to live purposefully. It gives you the power to just enhance everything around you. So I love like connecting the dots and I'm glad that you like gave me the full explanation of like what peaceful, powerful leadership is because now it makes perfect sense. Sure. Sure. Thank you for asking. It's something that has been a journey for me and I love sharing, talking about it. And I've had others who have embraced it and I've seen the impact it's had on their lives and with their relationships, not just in a work setting, but in any area of life, which I feel is so important because that alignment and that integration, you know, for so long it was work-life balance, but it's truly alignment and integration and going beyond that balance. Yeah. So I want to go back to the questions um, and I want to specifically focus on, you know, the questions to help build a more authentic self to create inner peace. Like we mentioned, you know, if somebody's like listening to this podcast and they whip out their journal, they're like, okay, I'm going to ask the questions that will help me to reflect on this. If you could give like just a couple, like what are your favorite questions? We already said like about values. So tell me some of your favorite questions for self-reflection. Well, one of the first ones I always like to start off with is what's working well today. Right. You know, what's working well that I can highlight or what went well this week. And it's that different mindset. So many yeah. times we'll ask someone walking down the, the hall or we see them or, or we start off a meeting and say, hey, how are things going today? And it opens the door and sometimes we get a fine or more commonly I get what's not working well. Mm. And we, we tend to see that versus, yes, that's important because we need to be able to embrace those emotions if, if something isn't working well, but let's start on what is working well, what is there to celebrate? And then that next question is, are there things that didn't work well? And I like to focus on moments. So often we say that was a good day or that was a bad day. But the reality is there were probably good moments and there were probably bad or tough moments. And so getting past summarizing a day as bad because I had one bad moment mm -hmm. and instead saying, okay, were there any bad moments? And I do this with my, my son and he'll say sometimes when I see him from school and I ask him, how was your day? And he said, well, here's some great moments that I had. And then sometimes he'll bring it up and he'll say, I did have one bad moment today and here's what it was. And we talk through the pieces around it, but you know, he's looking at that day as a whole and saying, there's still things to celebrate. Those are big pieces. Let's also talk about this so that he's comfortable going into the emotions around that, which may be more difficult, harder emotions. And so starting off with those questions and then from there, what do I have coming forward? that I want to prepare for. Mm. And we talk so often about being present and there's that difference from my perspective of being present in the moment, which can be great, but that is difficult. If I'm not prepared, if I'm there and I'm meeting with someone, yes, I can be fully present, but I may not be bringing value to them because I didn't prepare. And so in those self-reflection times saying what is coming up, that I want to make sure I'm doing the work towards so that I can be prepared and present in that moment. Absolutely. And so that's uh, another big one there. And then one of the other questions is who in my life do I have right now that I want to make sure I'm celebrating? 
we miss those moments and those connections are so important. And I know I want to be that person that when I'm towards the end of my life and someone says, Hey, what are the things you value? I want to go through those moments of connection and celebration and say, well, these are the big moments. And so I always encourage other people to take that time. I try to take that time on a regular basis and say, who in my life do I want to celebrate? And then how can I celebrate them and try to personalize it? If they're a reader, I may write a thank you card to them. And if, if they're not located locally and find a book that I know is along the lines of something they may connect to, and I'll send them that thank you card in that book. If there's somebody that is a foodie and they love food, then saying, hey, let's go out and get lunch and you pick the place. And then in that moment, letting them know, hey, I wanted to do this. I want to celebrate you for this reason and being specific and deliberate in that. Yeah, I love that so much. That's a really nice gesture to really like focus on the the people that you want to celebrate and why they're unique and why they're special. And I think, you know, really good leaders do that too. Like they know the people that work for them and they know the people they work with and and they pay attention. I think there's something to be said about like these small gestures of noticing and and being aware and giving thanks and also celebrating. So I love that. And the questions are also good because I I do think it's important to reflect on like what's going well and also what's not working because we can always learn from the things that aren't working. Like we don't have to spend all of our time focusing on the negative, but if we can work through and learn from those bad moments or those bad experiences, we can at least make changes, right? Like, you know, we don't, we don't learn unless things are difficult. So if we're able to look at things with like a growth mindset and just learn from them, then there's a lot to celebrate after the fact. If you're able to celebrate maybe next time, like you have a better day because you did learn from that rough experience, you know? It is. We remember those, right? We remember those instances. And, and I, sometimes have a smile come to my face without fully realizing it because it'll come back and I'll realize, oh, wait, I've been in this moment before. I didn't realize it. Yes, this looks a little different, but I've been here before and I learned from this and, and I'm applying it. And it wasn't deliberate. It's that I was taking those tiny steps along the way and it's there now and still, still more growth maybe to happen, but that's something to celebrate. And that's another question that sometimes I'll encourage people, you know, once every few weeks to say, what can I do now that I couldn't do four weeks ago or half a year ago and be mindful because we so often get focused on that end result. That's our goal. And we're thinking I've got to hustle, hustle, hustle love the journey because that's where you learn those big things that when you get to that goal, great, you're there, but you've gained so much more in the investments along the way and and what's transpired. And it really does fill the soul in a different way. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation. I wanted to end with like a simple question, but I feel like it's important. Um, If you could name one thing that lights you up the most or like one thing that you're working on, like trying to carve more time into your day, week, whatever, like one thing that you're kind of going to add to your self-reflection time or your, your soul time, like what would that be? That's a wonderful question. And it's, it's one that it's interesting because I think it's changed with the seasons and it's, it's really changed some 
because of this last year with the pandemic. And it probably is being more deliberate on how I have those healthy boundaries. I've been working on that, but over the last year, as some of the the instances weren't there of taking time away here or there, and I realized, oh, you know, I do a decent job of that, but I could be doing much better in the whole realm of things. And, and what I found was I was doing really good in the workplace because that was my initial focus, but then in the other aspects of, of life. And what that's done is opened up a lot of time for my family and being there with them and realizing just how big that is because I've had some cool opportunities, met some wonderful people, had some cool roles and I learned from those, but what's that constant been is, is truly been family and, and we hear about it. And so I apply towards that, but, but really towards any area of life of, of asking regularly, am I doing a good job of communicating those boundaries in a way that aligns to what I want to get out of life, the life that I want to have and the way I want to show up for the people involved in that life. Yeah. And it does, it comes back to values too. Like you value family. And so that value is reflective in the way that you show up. For sure. For sure. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you and your knowledge and your time. So is there anything that, you know, you're working on right now? Do you have any courses or, or new things coming out soon? Yeah, thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. It is great. And and as I shared, I'm a fan of the podcast and, and that's how I know we connected on LinkedIn. I do have different, uh, different things I'm working on from a course standpoint, but the biggest one is my book, which is being published and it'll be published and out on November 16th. Uh, 2021. Here we are. So not too far away and had a great publishing team. uh, That's just been wonderful. And it's called Becoming a Peaceful Power Leader, How to Shed Fear, Live Courageously and Own Your Peace. And it is from that coaching approach. So some of the things that we talked about, they're in there that maybe someone reads the book and says, you know, how do I apply this? And there are tools along there for their unique journey, because as we've discussed, every journey is different. And if anybody ever wants to reach out, they can reach me. One of the biggest places on LinkedIn at Jared Narlock. Love to connect just as we connected through LinkedIn. And again, Rachel, thank you so much for this opportunity. You're so welcome. Hey friends, thanks for checking out this episode of the Solutions Podcast. For more episodes just like this, be sure to subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram at Solutions Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.